Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Kevin Churn, it's great to see you, my friend. Great to see you as well, Jude. Thanks for having me today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, 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 one thing I love is when we have that the, the talk right before the podcast, because like, you know, I don't like to write go into the podcast because you want to get to know know your 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 guest, you know, more more than that. Uh, and, you know, I was just telling you how it was so cool, how small a world this is that Steve Ramona. I want to give him credit. He introduced you and me. And then yesterday I had a call with somebody who was going to be talking to you. And that was unrelated to that person and Steve Ramona. So it was like such a small world. Um, and, and I just love that we're able to, to communicate with people and be connected with good human beings. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you're in my world. So thank you for coming right. on. Likewise, it's, uh, you know, that's one of the blessings of uh, proactively networking with people is you get to meet with so many different types of people and different walks of life and really interesting stories and yeah. lots to learn. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And and today on on today's show, um, you know, I mentioned this to you a little bit about before is I, I, I really focus on um, how when we're young and it's not our parents fault, we're taught that life is linear. You know, we're taught that, Drew, Kevin, if you do A plus B plus C, D is going to happen. And so men like you and I will go and do what we're told. And then without being informed, something gets in the way of those letters and derails us. And life is no longer linear. And I know you have encountered a few uh, opportunities to that challenged yourself where you had to move and work through that circuitous route in life. So think about and as far back as you can remember, wherever you want, that defining moment that was almost like a two by four hitting Kevin upside the head to say, oh, my gosh, I can live a different life. There's a better way to live. Something defining in your life that really molded you to who you are now and gave you that choice of either retreating or moving forward and becoming a stronger human being. I want, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think I've uh, invented and reinvented myself a, a few times yeah. through my uh, evolution. And, and like so many of us, I think that a lot of it centers around, what we're doing every single day in our careers, right? I mean, it's because we invest so much time in that, that very often the thing, very often, not always, but very often the things that uh, define us are, are or re, where you're forced to redefine yourself is right. is related to a career or a big life event, like a mm -hmm. divorce or a death in your family or things very like true. that. Very so, true. Um, and I think those are more than anything those are times to take pause mm -hmm. and really think about uh, take those events for something that maybe is a little bit more purposeful. Even mm -hmm. you know, you don't believe in fate. Uh, stop and say, well, maybe, maybe if even if this wasn't fate for this to happen, this is certainly an, a, an event, a time in my life which uh, supports me or, or should promote me taking a pause right. to really reevaluate and think about life in a particular way, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think early on, I started my first, my own first business. I I'm an attorney by education. I mm -hmm. graduated from law school in 1993. Right. Worked for 
an attorney who ran a very high buying consumer bankruptcy law firm mm-hmm. here in the Chicago area and was in that position during a time where he started to expand to a multi-jurisdictional law practice representing clients in other states. Okay. Really, really didn't know who I was. I got out of school and just didn't have no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Right. I fall into a consumer bankruptcy practice and it was high volume. So I literally had the opportunity on a weekly basis to um, consult with 20 or 30 individuals or families that were facing some of the most difficult and challenging financial and right. hardships that they had ever faced in their entire life. Um, talk about being given an opportunity to mm-hmm. put your life into perspective. Oh, every sure. Day, yeah. Where without exception, every single person you spoke with was in a currently less fortunate mm-hmm. position than you were. Right. And you'd have the opportunity within half an hour or an hour of sitting in a consultation uh, to be able to affect a meaningful, substantial impact and change in their life for the better, right? Of course. What a, what a blessing. What a great oh, yes. opportunity to be able to do that. Um, and I really kind of latched onto that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think that was a de- defining moment or moments over those couple of years that I was doing that because it really said to me, I want to be someone who helps people. I enjoy how I feel when I come to work every single day and I see the impact that that has on people's lives. And I think that's kind of carried through with me through my professional career as you know, the common theme is I enjoy mentoring people. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy helping them solve the problems that are, are pressing them in their everyday lives. Right. So that that I mean, at at a young age coming out of law school to be thrust into a fast paced uh, type of law firm, when did how long did you stay at that law firm? Because it it obviously gave you an opportunity to feel that you can really greatly impact uh, people. Did you stay there for a long period of time? And was that your defining moment or did did the defining moment happen afterwards where you're like, wait a second? Well, like I said, I, I think a lot of, I, I think we all have a number of defining moments. Sure. Uh, maybe, maybe I've been lucky to have a number of defining moments. I uh-huh. think kind of my next, uh, you know, critical turning point uh, was three and a half years later, I realized that I was never going to advance to owning the law firm or be, being an equity right. holder in the law firm just because of the particular structure. Right. Uh, that wasn't a, it's not a criticism of the current owner. That was just his philosophy. Right. So in 1997, I went out and I started, you know, leveraged all I learned about how mm. to run the business and the operation right. Right. of the law firm, which I actually started to find that as much as I loved helping the individuals that mm. were clients of the law firm, um, I really loved the operational and entrepreneurial aspects of law firm, expanding new markets, leveraging technology, Mm -hmm. understanding sound financial practices. Right. Uh, So started my own law firm in 1997. Okay. Um, Over the next eight years, I built that uh, law practice to be 180 employees across 70 markets in 22 states, setting up a couple thousand uh, consumer clients on a monthly basis cross-marketed very heavily for other types of legal matters, referred those matters out to 
um, other boutique law firms in those respective markets. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2002, in particular, uh, that's when the advent of this great new thing called Google pay-per-click came out. Okay. Uh, and we're doing a lot of advertising and traditional media, phone right. books, television. And uh, we were bidding on keywords like chapter seven bankruptcy lawyer for 10 cents a click. My this goodness. Okay. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, we were generating inquiries from consumers all over the country that were mm. interested in our services, but we were only in a few different states. Okay. So I started calling up lawyers in other areas of the country and saying, look, I'm generating inquiries from consumers in your area. Um, why don't you reimburse me for the reasonable cost of the marketing? And I will go ahead and send you the inquiries from those people who are making those inquiries. Great idea. And so, yeah. And, and really, it was just an, a way to offset our the marketing cost mm -hmm. associated with generating those inquiries through PPC. Uh, and unbeknownst to me, what I was doing is I was creating the first legal marketing network. You where really were. Yeah. You were basically selling leads to lawyers. Yeah. That by 2005, I realized I was having a lot more fun operating uh, again the marketing the advertising the digital marketing aspect of the business that's what we expanded into the 70 markets and um i realized i was not really liking my life i was working 70 80 hours a week yeah. saturdays um, mm -hmm. my kids were young i wasn't really uh enjoying it um, mm -hmm. i had a partner that was off golfing and gambling and having fun. And I was really operating the business. Right. And I basically walked in one day and I just basically said, um, make me an offer I can't refuse. And what I meant by that is I'm leaving. Um, let's part ways in an amicable manner. Right. Uh, he construed it as, uh, what can I pay you to stay? And I said, no, we're way past that. This right. is this is no longer about the money. This is about the fact that um, there's something else I want to do in my life that I think will afford me more happiness and more enjoyment yeah. personally and professionally. Right. And I just want to part ways without a fight, which we did. And Good. I started a technology marketing company, got out of practicing law. Wow. 2005. Right. Uh, um, and again, talk about reinventing yourself. Yeah. Literally went to school for you know, for three years in law school, got a law degree, built a successful law practice, right. and basically just got to the point where I decided this isn't what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, this is 2005. So it was basically uh, 36, 37 years old mm -hmm. and uh, started a technology company called Total Attorneys in oh, wow. uh, Chicago. And it was the first uh, lead gen business. We kind of pioneered lead gen in the legal space, developed right. some of the first SaaS applications for case management and lead nurturing in the legal space, started a 50-person call center to help lawyers do an effective job of following up on leads. Oh, that's and, great. Um, and bootstrapped it, you know, took the money that I got from selling my interest in a law firm to really capitalize the new business. Um, you know, it definitely took a, a thick stomach lining. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've been blessed with the ability to kind of push forward and have a kind of perpetually positive attitude and uh, have a level of confidence in my ability to right. just, uh, push forward in the face of adversity, no matter what. Right. 
Yeah, that experience enhance your personal life with the kids and and your wife and 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 everything. Did they fulfill some of the the, the emptiness you were feeling with the previous, you know, owning the uh, law firm. Um, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Fortunately, uh, you know, five years later, I ended up getting divorced. Okay. Uh, uh. You know, so, but those are those are those are interpersonal issues. It, it's. Uh, my personality wouldn't change and mm-hmm. my trust in doing the things that I loved doing weren't going to change. Right. The expectations that were set for me, uh, you know, on a personal level uh, were not ones that I was going to be able to meet. So there was, okay. you know, I, I think, you know, some people look often look at divorce in people's lives as a really negative thing. Right. And sometimes there's just an incongruency uh, between people that, maybe sometimes they're they're better off not being together and yeah better parents uh you can be uh happier in your personal professional life sometimes not together right Um, it's probably not a popular opinion among many people they feel like you should stick it out no matter what Uh, but um for me it ended up being a, a a positive thing for uh you know for where I wanted my life to be. Sure. Uh, yeah, that makes Kevin, that makes sense because there there are times where it's even better for the children because they'll sense the 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 tension and stuff like that. So I agree with you. There are situations that that it's best uh to part and situations where it's worth, you know, sticking yeah. it out. I think it's a balance, you know. Yeah. Well, I think the challenging part is that you never really get a full picture of how it's going to affect your kids until after it's over after it's over it's absolutely absolutely um and so you know it's a it's a tough decision and uh you have to be what you have to think about is whether you're willing to live all with all of the eventual Mm -hmm. outcomes that could uh be a result of it you know not all of the outcomes for my children were positive outcomes i think some of them definitely were right um it allowed me to have a an independent relationship with my children on the terms that I wanted to have a relationship with my children rather than my interaction and the way they inter, inter, uh, related to my children to be dictated by someone else. Right. Yeah, yeah totally and understand. Instead Absolutely. Of, instead of being told to be the type of father that someone else wanted me to be, I got to be the type of father that I wanted to be and have the type of relationship that I wanted to have with my children. Well, I mean, that's critical what you just said, because a uh, majority of us uh, stick with that belief system and that life that we believe other people want us to live. And it's 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 a wonderful feeling when you can break away with that from that and realize that your belief system and what you want is different from what you've been growing up with. And uh, I give you credit for doing that because you could have easily as society wants us men to suck it up and just you know fix it um you know you did what's best for you and for your kids and for your life right now i mean you're thriving right now so tell me about so when you built this what was it called total law that was the, total, the lead gen total attorneys yeah total so, attorneys now i know you're not doing that right now anymore so what ha- how'd you peak and what happened with that well i mean we built it for eight year, you know, eight years and we were yeah. doubling revenue every yeah. single year. In fact, mm-hmm. we had offers from some major strategic partners to acquire us and we that turned on surprised. those offers because yeah. we were we were growing so rapidly. Right. In 2009, um, there was an attorney out in Connecticut 
who basically wanted to use the platform of this company that is basically selling leads to lawyer mm. as a way to basically promote himself. He uh, filed ethical complaints with the state bar in each of 47 states that we were selling leads to lawyers, alleging that we were violating uh, professional responsibility rules, which restricted lawyers from paying for recommendations of their services. There's a professional rule of responsibility 7.2 that says that a lawyer may not pay for uh, a lawyer may not pay a non-attorney for the recommendation of their services. It's what would you would call the ambulance chasing rule, right? Okay. Um, like, but you were an attorney, uh, though. You don't want it. You don't want right. Mm. But, but so the marketing company yeah. was a non-law firm uh, technology and marketing company that uh, was building websites for cons- and using pay-per-click to go ahead and market to consumers and doing lead generation. Oh, I see. Mm. Selling the leads that were being generated. I see. Uh, to attorneys. Um, and so this complaint, and, and there's not a unified regulatory system for lawyers. Okay. Each state has their own regulatory body, like the Illinois has the um uh attorney registration and disciplinary commission. Oh, okay. Okay. Connecticut has a different one, California has a different one. So basically, overnight we went from a business that was growing 100 percent annually and had offers from strategic partners to purchase us to basically a company that had a 47 state state specific regulatory challenges yeah. we had to go out and hire counsel in every single state etc cetera, etc cetera. um it really wreaked havoc in the business mm. um, now when you're going to sell leads to lawyers you have to say oh by the way before you start doing business with us by virtue of doing business with us, you may be have an ethical complaint against you because there's this attorney that's alleging that by doing work with us or you know buying leads from us constitutes a violation of the professional responsibility rules and can result in a bar complaint against you, right? Yeah. So we spent the next 18 months uh, fighting, again, 46, 47 state bars. Wow. Went, to, went to trial mm-hmm. in a couple of states. Um uh, we batted a thousand. We, we we either every single state either we won at trial or the state bar closed the file without further investigation. After we won in a number of different states, they basically yeah. said, "You know what? We're not going to render an opinion one way or another." You, you keep doing it. It kind of really opened up. It did. You helped the regeneration. Yeah. yeah, you, you helped know, the market. Yeah. And it was really ubiquitous in every other industry in the mortgage right. insurance. Everybody was paying for their leads yeah. on a performance and absolutely early basis. Legal was the only industry that was really prohibited from a regulatory standpoint. And so we really genuinely opened up the door and pioneered lead gen in legal space. Um, unfortunately, as we fought these battles and as each state permitted it, it invited a lot of competition into the marketplace. Oh, I see. Yes, that'll happen, right? From all the enterprise lead gen companies that were already well-developed in these other areas and legal was Greenfield for them. Mm-hmm. And so wow. we, well, we went along and we fought the battles. Yeah. Um, all of our competitors came into the marketplace. Yeah, they reaped the rewards. Yeah. Um, 
um, in 2013, um, we had hired a professional CEO. We had taken private equity money as part of the way to get navigate through these challenges. Right. Um, you know, we took a little bit of money off the table, but at the end of the day, um, the exit wasn't nearly, uh, you know, what what our hope and expectation was. Right, right. Um, and it, it led to a lot of other challenges in my life associated with that, um, including follow-up litigation and everything related. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very, very challenging time because you have all of these feelings of being taken advantage of mm-hmm. and uh, you certainly can very easily have an attitude of victimization. Right. Why right. me? You know, why are they doing this to me? Why is the state bar attacking me? Don't they have better things to do with? Um, uh, certainly you can have attitudes of wanting to have revenge. This one attorney who initiated this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? that makes what sense. Do, what can I do to get back at him? And I think that's one of the, you know, that was definitely a very, you know, defining moment is yeah. that where I could just, uh, retract and curl up into a ball and feel sorry. For <laughs> yes. Or I could figure out a way to uh, be entre- entrepreneurial and figure out my next event- adventure. Right. And I know you took that approach and uh, and I'm proud of you because uh, m- most of us would want revenge and you use the, I don't know if you forgave this person, uh, but you did, you did move forward and, and now you're doing some awesome things. So tell, tell me how, when you'd made that decision um, to move forward, what was your first step after all of this turmoil? Well, you know, we looked for opportunity that came out of the challenge. So when you're facing ch- challenges, mm-hmm. um, I think people tend to get so wound up in the challenges they face that they don't look for opportunities that can be gleaned from that challenge. So True. what we found is that the business total attorneys we were generating probably eighty thousand leads a month. Um, about twenty to thirty thousand of those leads were falling on the floor. Oh, we couldn't find a lawyer okay. to buy the leads for one reason or another. Right. Um, either because you know some of it was you know we figured maybe it's reputation, but we started. I started to study it, and we found that those. 30,000 people that were filling out a form saying, I need to talk to a lawyer who couldn't talk to a lawyer um, were kind of two distinct groups. The first group was kind of the aggregate of all the leads that were coming in from sparsely populated areas around the country. Hmm. Where there wasn't a bankruptcy lawyer, criminal lawyer, family lawyer, personal injury lawyer for right. 50 or hundred miles from them. And most of the lawyers that were offering services at that point, back in 2013, had brick and mortar service delivery models. All yeah. they were willing to do is meet with clients face to face. Face to face, right? But the people who are looking for a family lawyer or a bankruptcy lawyer are in distressed situations. Mm-hmm. Very often, they are the people that are the least equipped to take time off of work, absolutely, child care, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, deal with the discomfort of going and meeting face-to-face with a lawyer because it's the first time they've ever hired a lawyer for anything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, sparsely populated areas kind of, if you know, the United States is actually a rural country. Mm -hmm. Lots of people live in rural areas, but they can't get access to legal services too far away. Or, you know, they have a lawyer in town, but he's a general practitioner. He's not a specialist. Right. 
Um, there, uh, the other thing we saw is the other, it was the demographic of those individuals in more densely populated areas where lawyers weren't necessarily interested in spending marketing dollars to attract uh, that demographic. So yep. Certain cultural uh, mm-hmm. prejudices, if you mm-hmm. will, yeah. um, where attorneys didn't want to spend the marketing buying leads in these pockets in urban areas where they didn't want to serve right. those communities. So we said, well, what if we were to start a law firm that was uh, demographically and geographically agnostic, hmm. willing to represent clients no matter where they were located? Of course, what yeah. Socioeconomic or cultural backgrounds were. So we uh, came up with an idea f- for a virtual uh, law firm, uh, hmm. went to total attorneys management, and we negotiated free office space and free leads for a certain period of time because these were leads were falling on the floor anyway. Right, right. So we took this really, really negative situation where we were being pushed out by the private equity firm and the new management as owners of our own business, basically having our business taken away from us. Yeah, right. So that it could just be sold off. And we leveraged it to create our next adventure, our next opportunity, right? Um, And so we started another law firm um, in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the next five years, um, we grew that law firm to over 450 lawyers across all 50 states. Wow. A completely virtual law firm. We had over 3,000 clients per month uh, hiring us. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, we were delivering services virtually. Yes. We we're going into what I would call very provincial areas of the country and taking market share from local lawyers. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And once, once again, um, we oh, a lot of regulatory uh, attention. Um, You're like a and, magnet, man. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Was so, uh, and I won't go through all of the, the nitty gritty, but right. again, five years, yeah. uh, you know, the last couple of years spent $10 million in legal fees on, fighting regulatory challenges Jeez. only, you know, I exited in February, 2019. Guess what happened in March of 2020? Oh COVID. yes. That, that, yeah. Something happened in March of 2020. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's called COVID. Right? That's right. That's right. So yeah. After all the regulators attacked oh, my goodness. Model yeah. for being virtual and having non-attorney staff out of Chicago helping clients and everything, all of a sudden now all the court systems were closed and everything went to virtual. Everything's virtual. Right. Um. So, you know, we were a little bit, you know, obviously, uh, I think ahead of the curve. Yes, you were. That was one of our down, uh, one of our disadvantages that we often, you know, were a little bit too progressive relative mm. to what the industry w- was ready for. But, you know, I exited that business basically having um, exhausted a lot of my personal wealth. Yeah. Uh, and having my reputation significantly damaged due to all the regulatory scrutiny. Right. Uh, and and once again, I was in a position where I really had to think about what I wanted my next iteration of my life to be. But mm-hmm. this time I was a little bit more thoughtful than yeah. I was before. And I tried yeah. to establish some goalposts. Okay, good. I created my next business. So instead of coming up with an idea. Right, right. And then a year into running that business saying, what the heck did I do to myself? Yeah, yeah. Um, and not being able to extricate myself because the business had scale. Right. Um, this time I tried to think about really what I wanted my life to be. 
I love that. I love it. And we talked about this and I'd love to hear a little more about it because what you did is you kind of re-engineered, reverse engineered. Like you went, you you finally decided, what do I want the end to look like? And let yeah. me then go backwards and build it from there. And actually, you know, in a way, and I, and I would do want you to get into that, in a way, you you kind of protected yourself from all that other stuff that would happen if you did it the reverse again, because you covered all your bases, because for each thing you wanted in life, you found a way to do it without it, it rust, ruffling feathers or whatever. Yeah. And in, in really, you know, I tried to think about all the things that I liked and didn't like about my last few life experiences and you know you take a piece of paper and you say pros and cons just like your cost benefit analysis absolutely things i liked well you know i like being mobile i like being able to make my own schedule yeah i want to be able to create recurring residual revenue streams i want to be able to mentor businesses i want to be able to interact with people that i enjoy i want to meet a lot of new people what do i don't like i don't like having a lot of partners that i have to share decision making Mm -hmm. for with and they have to live with the product of their bad judgment. I don't want to have 450 employees reporting up to me. I don't yeah. want a highly regulated industry. I mm-hmm. want I don't want to have concentration in my revenue with just a few clients where I end up feeling beholden to them that I have to work with them even if I don't like them right. because I'm generating so much revenue for them from them. Um, you know, so so I really created these goalposts. And then what I tried to do is build a business model that accommodated what mm-hmm. I wanted my life to be rather than what I had done before, which is I built my life, I built the businesses, and then I yeah. tried to accommodate my life, mm. the business demanded. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of us make is Agreed. We're navigating through our careers is we don't stop to think about truly what's going to make us happy. Well, you know, that's a, that's a very good point, um, Kevin, because especially with men, you know, when we're, when we're um, basing our self-worth or self-identity on whether it's our significant other or our job, those are external circumstances that we, we can't control those, you know? And so when it happens to us, we end up being disappointed. What you did this third time around is you established what, what you, what you needed in your life mm-hmm. and you started to look within and 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 created your belief system from within so your happiness now comes from inside kevin as opposed to outside of kevin and i think that's something that every one of us who's listening really needs to to take stock in that because um the best way to start getting healthy and the best way to heal is from within and so thank you for bringing that up and and um, no, I, that's, think that, there, yeah. I think there's there, there's you know introspection is a very powerful tool. It is. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's what do you like about yourself and what mm-hmm. do you not like about yourself yeah. and what is driving those behaviors, right? Absolutely. And then also, what do you like about what you're doing every day? How you're spending your time, not just yeah. what you're doing, but mm-hmm. I should say how you're spending your time. Right. And what don't you like about how you're spending your time? And I think the key to finding happiness in life is mm-hmm. real r- going through that introspection, yeah. understanding the behaviors that you're engaging in that you like or don't like do how you're spending your time, what mm-hmm. you, how you like, what you don't like. And then that, that kind of is the root cause analysis, right? That's how, yeah. how to identify, yeah. okay, where do I get started changing these things? Like Absolutely. how do I move the things that I don't yeah. like 
and how do I start doing the things that I like? Yeah, I mean, you, you, we, we can each reinvent our lives every 15 minutes if we want to. We can make those decisions based on that introspection. So thanks for sharing that, Kevin. Um, I do have a couple questions I want to ask you, but I do want you to just talk to tell the audience what you're doing now, because it's fascinating how you are really helping people. Um, so just very quickly, tell, tell us about your current uh, practice. Yeah, so I uh, run an alternative model advisory group called Sanguine Strategic Advisors. Sanguine it means optimistic, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, um, I love it. And uh, what I do is I talk to business owners every day. I charge them nothing for my time. It's absolutely free to my clients. And it's really my way of doing what I enjoy doing, which is yep. mentoring business owners and sharing uh, the benefit of my experiences, negative and positive through my career. Right. And I simply ask them, what are the challenges that you're facing in your life? What, what are the most pressing issues that you're facing in your business? Uh, and I leverage my background to identify changes that they can make to their operations, to the way they're operating their business, solutions to their problem to help them. And I don't charge them anything. Um, I just, um, sometimes I offer free operational advice, but very often I introduce them to someone else in my network that I have kind of curated or vetted out over the years as I've iterated through solving challenges in my own businesses. You know, one of the biggest challenges that you have is figuring out who the right partners are. Yes. Vendors are. Yes. To help address the most pressing challenges that you have. And what is very costly and distracting is having to iterate through two or three or four of them before you find your prince, so to speak. And so right. what I tell people um, is with me, um, you kiss one frog to find your prince. I love that. You don't, have to iterate, you don't have to iterate through five or six different vendors to find the right one. Mm -hmm. uh, people come to me and they say, Kevin, do you have anybody who can help me with this? And I say, in the most Chicago way I can, I got a guy. So, I got a guy. I love that. Well, I mean, Kevin, what you're doing, you're, you're helping entrepreneurs uh, save time, save money, reduce stress, and you're helping them find a solution to their, their problem, their pain point by introducing to somebody where you can help them with that trust factor because you've used them. And so, so I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an awesome, awesome service. And, uh, and, 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 yeah. and you know what I, I love doing what I'm doing because Jen, you know, again, all the way back to the start of my career, I yeah. really enjoy helping people, but there is an enormous part of it that is completely selfish yeah. Uh, because I get to do what I like doing every day, which is helping people. Right? And, you know, it feels good. And, and you know what, there's, there's science behind it, man, because we, when we live in kindness and service and we do something good for somebody, it makes us feel good because we get those, those positive hormones of dopamine and stuff like that. So in a way it's, it's good because you're doing some self-care, right? You're helping yourself out by doing something good for somebody else. You're helping them out. It's the way yep. to live, man. I'm proud of you, man. You've gone through a lot, but you, you, you stuck to your guns and you're, you're loving your life and you're helping other people. I've got two um, final questions for you before we let the audience find out how they can get in touch with you. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You're sitting down with young seven to 10 year old Kevin. And you want to give young Kevin some advice about life. What are you going to tell him? Uh, I would say the, probably the biggest sap on your 
eventual happiness is the emotion of hate. Mm. Uh, negative emotions, um, they do nothing but drain your energy and mm-hmm. 10x uh, more than positive. You know, positive emotions, they feed into it. They build, mm. right? Yeah. And so resist the urge to have resentment or dislike for other people, even if they've done something to you that gives you cause. I would say try and look past it, understand the circumstances that may have led uh, to them acting that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't spend your energy affecting revenge or uh, dislike. Instead, redirect that energy to things that are very, you know, that will create positivity in, in your life and others. I love, love that, Kevin. That's great advice. And let's hope young Kevin takes, you know, heeds your advice. All right. So I'm going to, you're putting a different hat on now. And now you're sitting down with young Kevin, the young entrepreneur businessman. And you want to give him some business advice. What are you going to tell him? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say just generally, just always look for a way to enrich others and add value uh, mm-hmm. because that will come back to you again. Tenfold is mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, go the extra mile, uh, you know, yeah. and tell that to all the, all the people that work with me have worked for me right. is that, um, meeting the bare minimum of what you can do for other people or do in your job or in your profession or for your family. Um, that's fine. Uh, but go the extra mile, uh, always be asking yourself, what little, what little extra can I do to make myself stand out and, uh, have people perceive me as being someone that uh, really values relationships. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, the audience has certainly um, learned the essence of Kevin Churn, and I'm so grateful that you are in my life. And I thank Steve Ramona for introducing us. The audience is going to want to get more of you, Kevin. And um, so audience, this is what Kevin told me I could say. He said for the first five people to reach out to him and say that you you heard this episode, um, he will give twenty five dollars to your favorite charity or your charity of choice. Did I get that right, Kevin? All right. So what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the website or. Yeah. Anybody can email me at uh, Kevin at sanguine that's s-a-n-g-u-i-n-e-s-a.com so kevin at sanguinesa.com uh and you can visit the website at sanguinesa.com that's sanguine strategic advisors and you can get a hold of me uh, through the website all right so the first five people to reach out to kevin via the email or the website uh, we'll be able to receive $25 going to your charity of choice, which I think is a very generous offer. Kevin, uh, again, thank you for coming into my life. I am grateful and uh, you are doing some amazing things. Keep doing what you're doing because you're a wonderful human being. We need more of you in this world. So thanks again, my friend. I, I could say the same thing about you, Drew. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at expressing your interest 
and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.